Hello, everyone. We have a great podcast episode on tap today, all about protein. We're going to talk about what protein is, protein needs for endurance activity, including how much protein you should be eating throughout the day in, in and around exercise, collagen and different types of protein and more. After today's episode, you'll feel confident about implementing a consistent protein regimen throughout your day. We also want to remind you that we now have a Patreon community. So if you head over to patreon.com forward slash nail your nutrition, you can see the different tiers and membership levels we have. Patreon is essentially a way to donate to curators that you like. So we hope that you're enjoying this podcast. And if so, and you would like to find a way to support the show, donations as low as $3 per month, $5 per month, and more can really help the show. For that, we do have some special exclusive things to give you all, including a free private group where you'll link up with us monthly some discounts on some of our ebooks and products, some exclusive interviews with call-ins from listeners just like you, where we answer their nutrition questions and more. So again, we really appreciate those who have joined our Patreon community so far, and we would love if you would consider donating to help the show, help us put out more content more often for you to learn from. And on that note, I also want to remind you that if you have not reviewed the show yet, please take a minute to do so. We really appreciate it. Everyone who leaves a review gets put in a raffle for a free nutrition call with us, no strings attached, but it's a great way for us to read your feedback. It really makes our day. And if you haven't done it, we would really appreciate the 10 seconds it takes to go leave a written review for the show. All right, let's get into today's episode. Hello, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to have you on today. Today, we're going to talk about protein needs for runners. Before we dive in, I really want an update from Sarah about how her half marathon went a couple of weeks ago. That's right. Yeah, that happened. I made it. I made it out alive. No injuries, no bonking, all is well. Uh, it went pretty well. I mean, it was a really cool race. It started and ended on the beach, the boardwalk in Virginia Beach, which was neat, kind of like starting and seeing the sunrise over the ocean was really pretty. Um, I had no PR goals. Those of you who have been following know I was very lax in my training, although I did do a lot of cross training and other things, which I think worked to my benefit, kept me healthy, injury free. Um, and I definitely am stronger maybe than I've ever been um, with thanks to Peloton, of course, who does not sponsor this podcast. They just get a lot of shout outs. <laughs> but I would say it went pretty well. I mean, I I was sub two hours. I was like 150-ish maybe. Um, kept, maintained a pretty consistent pace throughout. I ran the first five or six miles with my husband who also ran it. And then I had to stop and go to the bathroom and he went ahead. So I had a pee break and then I never caught up to him. But the, the weather was nice. It, it actually was pretty shaded throughout the whole course, which was nice. I wasn't expecting that. We got texts and emails ahead of the event saying it's going to be hot. It's going to be so hot. Hydrate, hydrate. And fortunately, it didn't seem to be that bad. We did start at 6 a.m. though, 6.30. Oh, that's early so for a really race. Start. Yeah, they yeah. moved the start up an hour. But um, nutrition plan went well. Had pizza the night before. And a nice little like salad bowl, not salad, uh, make your own like the hot bar type bowl from Whole Foods and drink lots of water. And then I made kind of some overnight oats in the hotel room. I just put up a reel that showed how I did that. 
had that for breakfast with some peanut butter and we got some coffee and then made our way down to the start line. I think I took one or two gels throughout or one gel and a couple bags of sour raisins. I do have a recap post, which I've already forgotten, but it goes into all the details about the fueling and hydration and everything there. And then I drank a lot of tart cherry juice for recovery, um, did some stretching, and I kind of took it easy last week, the week after the race, did some yoga, uh, did some cycling, and now I'm back to running and I feel great. I don't, I really don't think I needed a long time to recover, which I think that goes into maybe all the cross training I did and all of yeah. that was, was good. So yeah, it was a good re-entry into racing again. It, it was kind of funny because they tried to like stifle everyone because of COVID and social distancing the best they could. But obviously everyone's just standing there in the beginning behind the start line. So it's like, then they try to social distance you, but you've already been in this huge right. group of people. So that was ironic. But other than that, I mean, it was well organized and well done. That's good. I mean, I think the Whole Foods is a great idea for a pre-dinner option, a pre-race yeah, dinner option. Yeah, that's what we we figured, you know, it's familiar food. You can really get mm-hmm. anything you want, make right. your plate. And they had pizza there. And then I made like a little warm bowl. There was like chicken. I got beets. Uh, sweet potatoes. Um, I think I got some greens, but not many more veggies than that, but just kind of loaded up the different foods I like. So it worked out really well. Yeah, that's perfect. Oh, well, I'm glad you had a good race and you recovered well. That's always a nice feeling when you're back to it and you feel awesome right after. Yeah, it, it was encouraging. And, and it was kind of like, oh, yeah, this is why I race. This is the fun part of it. So yeah. I'm glad all of that happened. Yeah, the cherry on the top for sure of all the training. Yeah. And you are getting back to running too. Some run walk intervals I've been seeing. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. I've worked up to three times a week. I'm doing about 90 seconds to two minute run and then one minute walk, maybe a little less. Um, if my husband gets antsy, if we're running together and he's like, okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, it is so hilly here in Texas though. And we're coming from very flat, flat Florida. So that has been a really big adjustment for us. Like my calves are like, whoa, what is a hill? I don't know what this is. Um, but it's been fun. I've still been doing a lot of strength training. I think I'm going to actually work with Laura Norris. She's going to make like a small little plan for me just so I know what to do and how to make everything cohesive and not get injured. I would love mm-hmm. to do a race. That's in a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she knows her stuff. So I'm excited to pick her brain. Yeah, and building your base. That's, that's really smart. Yeah, exactly. Not just hopping right back into intervals and workouts. So great. Yeah. Do you have a race coming like another race? Like what's your, are you itching to get back in there? Are you just going to take it easy? I think I'm going to take it easy. I I don't have anything on the agenda. We kind of talked about if something comes up in the fall, it'll Mm -hmm. be working a few expos. So I've thought about Philly or there's one in DC, but we'll see. Yeah. I really honestly have been enjoying not training. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Seasons of life, man. Yeah. (laughs) I like the flexibility and I really like doing other things. Like I'm loving the boot camp, um, tread and boot Mm -hmm. camp cycling workouts with, with Peloton and doing the weight training. So yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. That's fun. I love the weight training too. Yeah. I think, and I always recommend to clients like have some time like this where it's not structured and you can listen to your body and, um, racing and training is fun, but it's a lot on your body. So even allowing that mental clarity is important. Exactly. I love that. So today we're going to talk all about protein because I don't know, maybe some more recent research has come out about protein needs and we think it's important to tell you guys all about it. Yeah. We actually have a whole module on protein. This is 
kind of not even scratching the surface of what we talk about in our module in our Nail You Nutrition Endurance Fueling course. So if you walk away from listening to this episode like, hmm, I wish I knew more, or I wish I also knew about carbs and fat, check that out. It's at uh, nailyournutrition.podia.com. So if you if you need to you know dive into what you actually should be eating for training, or if you are you have a fall marathon coming up or a race, and you're you know not don't have that nail nutrition dialed in yet, um, check that out. And if you have questions about the course, please let us know. We have we will not hesitate to answer any question you have. So, but we thought we would answer this question. We get protein needs for runners. Like what? How do I? What, where do I start? What, how much do I need? We get that question a lot. Both of us do separately and on our social media page. So let us know if you have any other questions about that, but we're excited to cover this for you guys. All right. Let's start by talking about what are proteins. So we're going to give you a very rudimentary entry into proteins. So protein is involved in all of the cells of your body. It's actually essential to the growth and repair of cells and body tissue, everything from your skin, hair, nails, to your bones, organs, and fluids. That's why we talk about protein in the recovery and repair after a workout. So protein itself is made up of amino acids. Those are the building blocks of proteins. You've probably heard of those, whether it's branched-chain amino acids, essential amino acids, non-essential amino acids. Um, all of those form proteins together. Speaking of amino acids, there are 20 different types of amino acids, and they come in different combinations to make a protein. So we need all the amino acids to function properly. Again, protein is required for many different aspects of our body, every cell, but it supports muscle, the immune system, and the brain. And our body also requires adequate protein to break down these amino acids and then use some of the essential amino acids. If we don't get enough protein, our bodies won't be able to rebuild, and that's where we start to lose muscle mass. I don't know about you, Marita, but I get tons of clients who want to build muscle, and we're talking about, and then they want to cut calories at the same time. So right. it's a really delicate balance and really understanding if you don't want to lose muscle mass, instead you want to build muscle mass, we really have to eat more. Yeah, you need those on. extra calories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about dietary protein. So the protein you eat, dietary protein, gets broken down and then reassembled into various kinds of protein that exist in the body. So it really doesn't matter what kind of protein you're eating, whether it's plant-based or animal, whether it's a complete or incomplete protein. Those are hot um, buzzwords that you may have heard. The body's first objective is to break it down into all the different amino acids um, in those units that it was assembled from. Breaking down protein requires more time and effort than carbs, but not as much as fat. This is why you'll hear that if you eat protein, you'll burn more calories. That I think feel like that was a really hot uh, diet thing. Like eat protein, eat protein, and then you'll burn yeah, more it calories. Yeah, up your metabolism. Exactly. It's, it's a really, really small amount. So don't think that you eating 10 ounces of chicken is going to burn more calories than you're going to be taking in. So again, digestion, as you might know, begins in the mouth as proteins and especially animal proteins typically take more chewing than other kinds of foods. And if you are a dietitian out there or a dietitian to be or just really love nutrition science, one gram of protein equals four calories. Okay, let's talk about some functions of protein. One is muscle building, which we touched on. 
preventing muscle breakdown, especially after a super intense workout. Exercise recovery, i.e. your adaptations to training. So your muscles will literally split apart and then they will um, knit back together. That's how you build muscle and protein is involved in that adaptation. Red blood cell production, stabilizing blood sugar, immunity, helping with fullness and satisfaction for competition. And then again, like we've been talking about, providing all essential amino acids for function and performance. So obviously protein is essential. It's one of the top three macronutrients, something that you definitely need to include in most meals and snacks. Um, Sarah, what's your favorite way to get protein in during the day? Actually, this is something I I think about a lot because I'm always trying to remind myself, get enough protein. For me, the easiest way is Greek yogurt. Oh, I'm yeah. a big dairy person. Yeah. Greek mm-hmm. yogurt, especially for snacks. For meals, I usually do have some meat component, whether it's like turkey or chicken salad on a sandwich or um, rotisserie chicken. We do that a lot. That's easy and convenient. Or salmon, fish. Uh, we can fish a lot. Edamame. We do mm-hmm. that a lot. Jerky. Things like that. Yeah, yeah. Those are my convenience items. What about you? Yeah, I think all of those things. And every time I eat, I try to think like, how can I get some protein? Or if I don't have any protein available, some kind of healthy fat, just because it does stabilize stabilize your blood sugar. I am nursing still and starting to train. So I have higher protein needs. So every, every, you know, at least three to four, but usually two to three hours, I try to get some sort of protein and carbs in to combine them because the carbs are going to give you energy. Lately, just because things have been so crazy in my life, I've been doing smoothie packs from Costco and just adding either, like you said, Greek yogurt or some sort of protein powder in there. I like the Garden of Life, no stevia vanilla one. And that just one scoop of that or two or the or vital proteins, collagen, um, a mix of those. That's what that's been my snack go to at like three o'clock. Yeah, I've been making a lot of smoothies too. It's it's just easy, and mm-hmm. I'll make it. Bef- and I won't add protein powder. I'll share it with Cameron. But then, yep. if I'm gonna have it for myself, I'll add some protein powder. Yep, love it. So let's yeah. talk about protein and endurance activity because that's probably why you're here. So despite its importance in the body, we've just told you how great protein is and what it helps with. It actually doesn't provide much energy during prolonged exercise. Only about two to four percent, to be exact. But despite this, exercise has a profound effect on muscle protein synthesis. So again, that's the growth of protein and then the breakdown. So it's crucial to obtain protein through your diet to facilitate that repair, that muscle repair and growth of new muscle. After exercise, especially, this is when your muscle proteins are being remodeled to replace and repair the damaged proteins. So bottom line, we don't need to take protein in during endurance activity, especially running. I mean, sometimes with triathletes and cycling and Ironman, they they can take small amounts of protein in. We still generally recommend between 10, no more than 20 grams an hour to avoid GI upset. But for general runners, protein is not necessarily needed during running. We want to rely on the quick acting carbohydrates instead. All right, let's talk about how much protein endurance athletes need. So this has recently come up and has changed based on a couple new studies. So we're going to break that down for you. So currently the RDA for protein in healthy adults is 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight per day, which is way too low for athletes and probably I would say too low for non-athletes too. Would you agree, Sarah? Agreed. Yeah, Yeah. I think that that number will soon be updated. Totally. I agree. Protein recommendations for the general average person are about 10 to 35% of calories for adults. And again, you know, we don't 
we don't condone um, counting calories, but just to give you a little bit of a range and an idea. A lot of people tend to think that it's way more than that, but really 10 to 35 percent is the is the range. New studies have shown that endurance athletes may need as much or more protein per day than bodybuilders. For years, the general recommendation has been for endurance athletes has been 1.2 to 1.4 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight per day. But two recent studies suggest that somewhere between 1.65 to 2.6 grams per kilogram may be more appropriate for endurance athletes. So remember when I started, I said 0.8 grams to kilograms going all the way up to 2.6. That's a huge spread. So I, I would say somewhere between what I recommend for my athletes is bare minimum, at least 1.2, but probably somewhere between 1.4 to 1.8, 1.2, depending on how active you are and your body weight and what your diet looks like, that kind of a thing. So when you hear that 0.8, Sarah and I both agree that's that's way too low for you. But let's look at the studies. And that's just based off of our observation with clients and probably for ourselves too. I would say I, I definitely don't eat way more than 0.8 grams per kilogram. But let's look at the studies. These two studies looked at endurance athletes, which is great because a lot of studies tend to ignore endurance athletes. And they had them eat standard diets for two days prior to testing. On the day of the test, they ate different amounts of protein post-exercise. That first study recommended 1.83 grams per kilogram per day. And then the second suggested 2.6 grams per kilogram for the 24 hours after an intense exercise session. You've definitely heard us talking about this, and we'll touch on this in a couple minutes, but protein needs after exercise are definitely increased, and this study just confirmed that. So we're obviously not looking to put a ton of muscle on like a bodybuilder, so why do endurance athletes need extra protein? We need that extra protein to repair structures since endurance exercise is a major stimulus to remodel and repair those body proteins. Remember, they have to knit those muscles back together, breaking down old damaged proteins in muscle and then replacing them with new, fresher proteins. Proteins also interact with other body processes that need to be remodeled or repaired as well. So it's not just muscles, it's other stuff going on in your body that you use when you're running, biking, swimming, all that fun stuff. Another reason why endurance athletes might need more protein is that many runners and triathletes are underfueling. If you find yourself struggling to replace calories during those long, intense training or you're restricting calories to lose weight, it's imperative you get enough protein in your diet to preserve that muscle loss. So that's why endurance athletes need as much protein as bodybuilders. Thank you for sharing that, Marita. That's that. I remember hearing that study, like, what was it, a couple months ago that came out, and I was surprised. Yeah, we're always learning more. I mean, Kelly Jones, who we've had her on the podcast, she found some interesting research too. Obviously, there's not a lot that has been done in breastfeeding women, but Mm -hmm. talking about protein needs of breastfeeding women being right up there with bodybuilders and and intense strength athletes just because needs are so high. So high. Let's talk a little bit about the protein after exercise. So we've talked about it's not really something you take in during endurance exercise unless you're cycling or doing, you know, a longer ultra endurance event. For those events, carbs and fats are our primary sources of fuel during endurance exercise. However, protein comes into the picture after exercise. That's the time we really want to replenish and focus on protein. If protein isn't consumed adequately, our muscle protein breakdown continues to increase. So if you think about exercise, we're breaking down protein. This is part of the stimulus for exercising, getting stronger to begin with. So after exercise, if we don't provide the body with building blocks or protein, the breakdown will continue to happen. So protein synthesis is what's stimulated after endurance exercise once we start eating. 
How much protein you need after exercise will depend on several factors like training status, intensity, duration, sex, weight, all of that. Generally, we say aim for 0.2 to 0.3 grams per kilogram of body weight or 15 to 25 grams of protein within one to two hours after exercise. That one to two hours, that window, it's a little bit variable. A lot of that will depend on if you have another exercise session coming up or you're doing a late night workout and you have an early morning workout the next day. Um, That window might be a little longer than we once thought, but I always tell my athletes to just eat as soon as you can. The sooner you can start that recovery process, the better you're going to feel. And we generally say continue this for three to five hours after. So it shouldn't just be one and done. We want you to continue with your regular consistent eating. And let's talk a little bit about protein timing, because this is where we can get a little bit strategic in your meals and where we can use nutrition, which is so cool to improve workouts and recovery. So the idea of protein timing is it's a strategy that involves consuming protein in and around a training session in an effort to facilitate muscle repair and remodeling. And the goal is to enhance post-exercise strength and hypertrophy-related adaptations. So Marita talked a little bit about adaptations above. So again, pre-exercise, we, we try to limit protein. So that can be a timing consideration just because it might be bloating or cause GI distress for people. It typically takes a long time to digest. But after exercise, that's the critical part of nutrient timing. An intense resistance training workout results in the depletion of a significant proportion of our stored fuel, such as glycogen and amino acids and as well as damage to muscle fibers. So consuming the proper ratio of nutrients during this time is what's going to initiate the rebuilding of damaged tissue and restoration of energy that can enhance your future performance. Yeah, so let's let's dive into this. So what should you eat after an intense workout? Again, we, you've probably heard us talk about this, but let's just cover it in a little bit more in depth. It's always important to add protein with carbs to a post-workout meal because this enhances glycogen resynthesis, which means you're restocking your stored glucose, which is glycogen, so that you're ready to go for that next workout. And this also impacts your net protein balance and hopefully impacts that muscle soreness a little bit. One study found that consuming a protein and carbohydrate supplement in the two-hour period following a 60-minute cycling bout resulted in significantly greater glycogen resynthesis compared to just ingesting a calorie-equated carbohydrate solution, which means they had the same amount of calories in each thing. One was just carbs, one was protein and carbs. So we definitely want to restock those glycogen stores, especially if you have, let's say, a recovery run or a bicycle ride the next day after your long run. Ingesting protein, approximately 20 to 30 grams total protein or approximately 10 grams of branched chain amino acids, which are um, isoleucine, leucine, and valine, in the recovery period led to increased whole body and muscle protein synthesis, as well as improved nitrogen balance. So you're like, what does that all mean to me? I don't know the science. It just means that you are going to be recovering well, your protein is going to be restocked, your glycogen is going to be restocked. Adding protein may also reduce feelings of muscle soreness for some people, which, oh, sign me up for that after a long workout. And then let's talk about this. Is more protein better? Not necessarily. I think there really needs to be better research on this. A lot of conflicting things about this. Some some is used for making that MPS, that muscle protein synthesis, a little bit better. Some is not. I 
would say you probably don't need to go more than 30 to 40 grams of protein after your tough workout. I think there is a ceiling there. We just are not quite sure what that is. So let's talk about what types of proteins are best. That might be your next question, right? So athletes should consider focusing on whole food sources, like we always say, always whole foods before any kind of supplement, hands down. So that means that you want to think about your meat, your dairy, your poultry, your fish, and then plant-based could be, you know, beans, legumes, soy, all that fun stuff. And then you can go into supplements like we talked about, whey protein and other types of protein powders that we'll touch on briefly in a little bit. These all are going to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. So you don't necessarily have to worry about what kind. Just make sure that you're getting somewhere between 20 to 30 grams within one to two hours of your of ending your workout. And then another important topic that Sarah likes to touch on a lot, which I love and I always forget about, is leucine, which is one of the branched chain amino acids. And that's mostly found in meat, tofu, and eggs. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you need about one to three grams after. Is that correct? Yes. That's the goal. Yeah. Leucine is one of the branched chain amino acids like Marita mentioned earlier. And that's just, it's kind of the star of the Mm -hmm. BCAAs in, in terms of like muscle repair and muscle growth. And yeah. And then I always recommend milk proteins and dairy to my clients if they are not lactose intolerant, which a lot of people have some level of lactose intolerance. So if you're like, oh, no, thank you to the yogurt or cottage cheese, that's fine. But milk protein contains the highest score on the um, protein digestibility corrected amino acid score rating system, which means that it's one of the best to help you recover. So if, and it's cheap, like dairy is so cheap. So it's way, way cheaper than some kind of highfalutin protein powder. So I love cottage cheese, yogurt. I almost always have a glass of milk or chocolate milk after a long run. Keep it super simple. You don't have to go and like meal prep tons of different kinds of chicken. So bottom line, as always, whole foods are best. Meat, poultry, seafood, beans, peas, eggs, legumes, processed soy products, dairy, nuts, and seeds all contain varying amounts of protein. The key here is really to spread that intake throughout the day and make sure that you're having it within that post-workout window that we've talked about. All right, let's talk a little bit about protein powders because they can be a tool in your toolbox. But as Marina mentioned, when possible, whole foods are preferred just because your body recognizes them and usually nutrients work synergistically. So you're going to digest and absorb a whole bunch of things at once with lots of good things in them, um, not just the protein. But again, protein powders, let's talk about them. There are so many on the market. It can be overwhelming to choose. Um, We get that. So hopefully this will help you narrow it down. So protein powders are really just concentrated proteins taken from animals or plant foods, right? That's essentially what they are. They come in three different forms, a protein concentrate, a protein isolate, and a protein hydrosylate. So those are the forms you'll see. Most protein powders are also fortified with vitamins and minerals, like you might see some with calcium, probiotics, some have greens, providing a lot of other micronutrients and things like that. Of course, you can get those in your diet as well. So some animal protein powders are whey, casein, egg protein, some plant-based protein powders that you may have seen, soy, pea, hemp, rice. There's always new ones coming out on the market. Animal protein powders are complete proteins, meaning they contain all nine of the essential amino acids. And the essential amino acids just means those are the amino acids that we cannot make in our body, so we have to get them through diet. Plant protein powders, on the other hand, will usually include more than one type of protein in the powder to make it a complete protein. 
So when choosing a protein powder, there's a few things that we suggest you look for. Artificial flavors, that's going to be a personal preference, but we like to avoid or steer clear of them when possible. There could also be other fillers or ingredients like corn syrup, carrageenan, aspartame, saccharin, MSG. Cheaper brands might also be filled with chemicals. So again, if you're going to buy a protein powder, we talked about this before, invest in your health. This would be the time to invest in a quality one, one that's third-party tested. Um, There are are some ratings you can review to make sure there's no like heavy metals or cadmium or anything like that in them. In terms of which protein is best absorbed, well, again, whey protein, we've talked about that. It's easily digested. It's the most popular type of protein powder. It comes from milk and it is the liquid that separates the curds when cheese is made. It's a complete protein. It has all amino acids, all essential amino acids. It contains BCAAs and it contains leucine, which we talked about before. So Whey protein, if you have that in your diet, if you can digest it, it's great. You're going to have tons of options for that. It's also absorbed faster than any other protein powder. So again, that can be ideal if you're looking for a post-workout meal or snack. So pea protein powder, this one's gaining popularity. I mean, pea protein everything. You'll probably find pea protein pasta and ripple is a pea protein milk. So pea protein powder is, is popular right now. And for good reason, we actually have some research that came out last year that compared whey and pea protein, and they both produce similar outcomes in terms of body composition, muscle thickness, performance, and strength. And the reason for this is you're thinking, well, whey protein's animal and pea protein's plant, and you've told us that plant proteins don't contain all essential amino acids, but pea protein is actually rich in branched-chain amino acids, and it is a complete protein. It's also rich in iron, which is, as you may know, very important for athletes. And we actually have an upcoming episode all about that. Soy protein, that's an isolate powder that's made from soybean flakes with fat, sugar, and fiber that's been removed. It is a complete protein, but it's not as effective as casein or whey for muscle protein synthesis. It has less leucine as well. So if you are choosing a soy protein, If you can add in another source of leucine, whether it be tofu or eggs or peanuts, um, anything like that, lentils, I believe as well. Marita has a whole blog post about protein powders. And again, just a plug for our course, because we go into way more depth about all of the other things you need to know. All right. I get this question a lot too. Should you take collagen? So collagen is actually the most abundant protein in the entire animal kingdom and the most abundant protein in humans. And it makes up about a third of the total bodily protein mass. It helps give structure to our hair, skin, nails, bones, ligaments, and tendons in our body. However, despite how much collagen is touted in the media and how you see it everywhere, I get ads for collagen all the time on Instagram, it's not a high quality protein. In fact, collagen is typically thought of as an inferior source because it's an incomplete protein. It's lacking one of the essential amino acids. Let's talk about the benefits, though, that studies have found for collagen. So hydrolyzed collagen has a positive therapeutic effect on osteoporosis and osteoarthritis with a potential increase in bone mineral density. So that's great, especially if you are someone who has low bone mineral density. Maybe you have suffered from MIDAS or disordered eating or an eating disorder in the past, and that's a something that you are concerned with. A large trial also found that 10 grams of collagen hydrolysate a day significantly alleviated joint pain compared to a placebo. 
Another study found that five grams of collagen peptides improved the clinical benefits of calf strength when they were rehabbing patients with chronic Achilles tendinopathy. And then another study found that a 15-gram daily dose of collagen peptides resulted in significantly higher fat-free mass, bone mass, quadricep strength, and sensory motor control in elderly subjects in a resistance training program. I would say collagen is probably best if you're most concerned with aging (laughs) and hair issues. So that's really where collagen shines. It helps increase your skin elasticity and your dermal collagen density. So if you're worried about aging, take a collagen supplement. It's generally considered safe with no reported adverse effects. I would say if you are someone who really struggles with osteoarthritis or um, osteoporosis and bone mineral density, it's not something that's going to hurt you taking it. Just remember that it shouldn't be your main source of protein. It shouldn't be your go-to protein powder, especially after a workout. You want to make sure you're getting one of the ones above like we talked about, like whey or pea or soy. As with any supplementation, we definitely need more trials and long-term studies on this. This is something that is definitely being funneled by social media. And I'm sure that a lot of those pro protein companies like Vital Proteins are trying to get this research out there so that more people take them. But again, collagen is found regularly in whole foods too. So you can commonly get it in beef, pork, poultry, fish, fish skin, shellfish, all of that fun stuff. So you don't necessarily have to take a collagen supplement. If you are someone who has tried everything though for arthritis issues, then feel free to take it. You want to take it one hour prior to a workout, take it with orange juice or some other vitamin C that helps to increase the bioavailability of it and the absorption. So it's kind of a, it's kind of, I don't know, I would say the takeaway is kind of like, yeah, you can take it and see how it goes. I take it, um, I mostly take it for skin and aging issues personally, but I, I haven't really found a significant benefit in arthritis issues because I do have like a little bit of a knee issue, but some of my clients love it. Some are like, meh, whatever. So it's up to you to take it. Okay. Our takeaways from this long episode for you guys on protein. Um, Make sure that you're getting enough protein. If you're always hungry, if you're not recovering from workouts, if you're not gaining muscle and you have hair loss or brittle nails, that's probably a really good sign that you're not getting enough protein. So take that into consideration. Maybe just keep a log for a couple days, work with a sports dietitian or take our course to be like, hmm, am I really getting enough protein? Is this what's going on? Am I am I just not recovering well or do I really need to focus and get more protein in my diet? and spread your protein intake throughout the day. Don't eat it all in one meal. You want to have consistent protein intake with every meal and snack. Have a mix of carbs and protein within one to two hours of ending your workout. Remember that's the stimulus to stop that muscle protein breakdown and rebuild that muscle. It's really important. Emphasize whole food sources when possible, but know that protein powders can be great in a pinch or If you have higher protein needs, whether you are breastfeeding or whether you are in intense training, or if you follow a plant-based diet and have trouble getting it all through food or anything like that, um, there are many reasons to rely on protein powders. They're convenient. But do your research. Think about some of the things we mentioned about what to look for. We do want you to look at labels just to spread awareness and be an informed consumer. Reach out to us if you have any questions. And please, if you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to give us a rating. It really, really helps the show if you not only click the stars, but take the time to write like a sentence or two. 
it also means a lot to us and everything that we're putting into the show. It's really helpful to get some feedback from you all and know that it is helpful. So please, please, if you're a regular listener and you have not taken the time to review the show, please do because we want to connect with you and we do raffle off a free nutrition call every month to our reviewers. Thank you so much, guys. If you have any topics that you want covered or anything else that we can answer for you, let us know. Follow us at Nail Your Nutrition on Instagram and Facebook or shoot us an email at nailyournutritioncourse1 at gmail.com. Talk to you next time. That wraps up today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review so others can find it more easily. You can also stay in touch with us by joining our Facebook group, Nutrition for Runners. If you have any requests for future episode topics and more, email us at nailyournutritioncourse1 at gmail.com. Happy fueling! Happy fueling!